Justice will not be served until those who are unaffected are as outraged as those who are. Benjamin Franklin Bending Not Breaking Season 2, Episode 5 Avatar Day We're back with another episode of Bending Not Breaking. It's been a little while. We were on holiday. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Pruitt. And because we are doing another full-length episode, we had some mini ones out there. It's They were pretty small. There's little tiny episodes. Yeah. Little fun ones. Itty bitties. Yeah. So those, those nice little like, uh-uh, I'm going to go on a mile run. Perfect for those because they're only like, I don't know, four minutes. And y'all are all super some fast. Some of them are 11 or 12 minutes. So go on a two-mile run. That is not relatable for me. How long's your mile? What is that? <laughs> like, how long does it take you to run a mile? Twenty six point two minutes. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm a very slow I can, I runner. Think I can walk a mile faster than that, though. You can. It takes most people about twenty, if that, to walk a mile. Yeah. How would How about walking five hundred miles? I would walk five hundred miles. I wouldn't even pretend to know. <laughs> Do the math. Aren't you good at math? No. Okay. Well, we're back, and we're looking at the episode of Avatar Day. That's right. Through the lens of... Justice. Justice, which yeah. is a perfect little lens, because they say it in the episode. Oh, it, there it is. They, and you get to have a little there it is moment, where you're like, oh, that's the lens we're looking at this through. It's so nice. And um, we're pretty excited, but before we jump into anything else, sometimes I think the audience wants to know a little bit more about y'all. So, would you do anything fun on the holidays? Anything that was exciting for you? I went to my aunt's house in Texas. That was nice. Cooked a lot of nice food. Ooh, where in Texas? Austin, Texas. Oh, wow. Yeah. Next time we can do a live show there if you come along with me. Uh, please. I would love to go to Austin. I've never been. Max, have you been to Austin? No, I have not. Great. What did you do this uh, holiday season? Didn't go to Austin. Anything else? Do the, do the people of our podcast know where we live? Yes, we, we mentioned, I mean, like, it's not an every episode thing, but we mentioned that where we're recording sometimes. Rosemary Studios. Rosemary Studios. Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Yeah. Great. I stayed in the Triangle area, except for one day, <laughs> I went to all the way to Charlotte, the Queen City. Oh, what'd you do in Charlotte? Went to a football game. Huh. Sports. Was that the Belk Bowl? Sure was. Was that the last Belk Bowl? Sure was. You think a lot of our listeners listen, or like, follow sports? Sports. Ben doesn't. Ben doesn't. I'm 50-50 on it. Max? I follow sports, yes. Well, cool. Well, I hope you have also been paying attention to your recaps of the last few episodes. And hopefully you're uh, building a narrative of what could possibly be going on. Because it is time for your uninformed recap. 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 And we're going to give you the first scene. The last scene. Five keywords and you'll have 30 seconds to kind of talk to us about what happens this episode are you ready i sure am all right first the gang is attacked by what seems to be bounty hunters um and they narrowly escape the final scene of this episode is the gang helps save the town from military invasion after ang's trial your recap words are festival detective imprisoned 
effigy, and facts. Do you need me to recap any of that for you? I sure don't. Okay. Are you ready? No. On your mark, get set, go. All right. Well, this episode, of course, starts with a bunch of bounty hunters who are, uh, they, they narrowed the, the, the gang. They narrowly escape from the bounty hunters, which is great news for everybody. Uh, and, the, and to narrowly escape from them, they go to a festival, um, probably in like the Caribbean uh, of America or North America, you know, the, that area between North and South America. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where the festival is. Um, and upon arriving at the festival, there's a murder and they have to put on their detective skills to solve that murder and then um they they figure out who it is using dna sampling as well as um uh like tv like sports style like instant replay systems um to figure out who the murderer is uh and that murderer of a, is of course imprisoned and burned in effigy um and these are the facts of that episode uh and by imprisoning that person who was Ten seconds. detected, um, they saved the town from military invasions. Um, and it turned out that Aang was the murderer, and he that it was after Aang's trial. And that's a wrap. Here's the thing. Out of context, very wrong. Like, not even close, but like... That'd be a great episode. Technically, you're not far off. There are some definitely things along you those lines. You could argue that Aang's past lives were a murderer you could also argue that he fell off a cliff that's how yeah that's how i see it but you know i'm just saying it's possible you could say that kiyoshi was a murderer you could say that but i, I would say it was that's all definitely in that's definitely what i would say yeah totally totally max totally. how do you feel about avatar kiyoshi uh not as good as like tuna roll or i mean even like <laughs> california roll i would take but um kiyoshi's all right it's a little it's a little too deep fried for me um but you know it's all they're all good well let's let's get into the episode uh ben do you want to give a, a 30 second real recap as fast as you can well not well in 30 seconds not as fast i think as you can. should do it okay are you gonna time me yeah on your market set go oh, hold on uh gang gets uh the gang gets attacked by bounty hunters and Sokka loses his boomerang and feels like he's lost a little part of his identity they go to the town of Jin where they celebrate avatar day but they're really uh, scared of all the Avatar, and they're very upset with them, and so they, they set effigies on fire. Uh, Blue Spirit, uh, as Zuko, or Zuko as the Blue Spirit, stealing supplies and bringing them back to Uncle Aro. Aang is put in prison because he's the Avatar. 15 seconds. Zuko steals from a man in a carriage who's also rich. Uh, Suki was inspired to go uh, with uh, to go to war, and they realize Kiyoshi's footprint, and they do a bunch of so- solving all these things, and then they realize Three, Aang was, uh, didn't do two, the murder, but he's convicted one. of it, but then they save the town, and everything's Ow. good. Nice. I wasn't really counting. I was just trying to get you to go faster. Yeah, it was fun. I feel good about it. <laughs> cool. I'll give it a six. Yeah, I mean that wasn't that wasn't a four. All right. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So our lens is justice, which it makes sense. Aang gets put on trial this episode. Yeah, lots of things about um, justice are interesting. It willingly gets put on trial. Like oh, oh yeah. Like, will, he like, seems to ask for it. It is yeah. almost as if he's like, I don't want people to have this poor vision of me. Um, it's not like he's wanting justice to be served. He's just like, I don't. I want people to feel like they aren't, they shouldn't be scared of me. I yeah. want to be able to do my job better. I am willing to go on trial because there's no way you could convict me of murder. 
I think he knows his character and he wants to defend his character and defend his past lives, right? Which, again, there's a moment at the end that we'll get to, which I think is like so outside of his character, it's really confusing for me. In this Can't episode. wait to hear about it. Um, what, so let's talk justice. Let's. What are moments, that, when you're looking through the lens of justice, what moments popped out for you? Oh, I, I think I want to pause and let's break down justice for a second. I think that would be helpful. So uh, justice for me is pretty problematic because of the interpretation aspect. So justice, like similar to beauty almost, is in the eye of the beholder. It sometimes plays into the oppressor's hands if the system itself is unjust. So I think it's interesting because justice is this really malleable thing, it seems, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, even after watching this episode and processing. There's moments, so one of the definitions, I think that when I'm thinking justice, probably the, the definition that most likely my lens was through was the quality of being fair and reasonable. Like, that's what I think of justice. Um, I want, you know, this this thing happened, we need to right this wrong. And yeah, you... for me, the definition was, for me, was moral rightness or righteousness. Right. But if you, you look at it as a just behavior or something to justify your behavior or treatment of something else, um, that does that does justice allow you to be unkind? Does that allow you to um, do things you normally wouldn't typically do because it's just or well, because you feel or, like it's just because, or because someone is telling you that it's just right right you are you are just in killing that individual for breaking into your home because it's because that's, they broke into your home well that's a law right? and the law is the law and so even though you might be against murder that's is that murder is it self-defense is it justice if you do that right and so i i Part of it is, and then in this episode, I think we get to a point where it's like, is it justice or is it revenge? Well, that's um, just, for me, again, it's like, it's all about this interpretation, right? Where it, this could be just for somebody because of the knowledge and information that I have, but it becomes unjust once you have a bigger picture. It becomes unjust once you have more information or when you, like, it just seems, justice seems like a trap for me. Because I could think something is right and moral, and then five minutes later, I could learn something that makes me think that it's not. But you've already made your decision. But I've already made the decision. Yeah. Can you think of a time in your life where that has happened in work or in personal relationships? Well, it's funny. There's a pretty strong hashtag right now of hindsight 2020. Right. Right. And for me, it feels like hindsight 2020. Sometimes you make decisions, and after making it, you look back, and you're like, oh, Definitely should have gone another way. Should have approached it differently. Should have approached should have it. Said di- that should have said this. Shouldn't have said that. And justice feels similarly. There are so many trials where, oh, fifty years later, they found evidence, and oh, this person's innocent, and they lost fifty years of their life, but they were doing the right thing based off the information they had at the time. Maybe. Not always, right? <laughs> Maybe they were doing the right. Yeah, thing. and and like you can, there are so many trials, especially when it comes to r- racial trials. Frankly, so when uh, African American people, Central Park Five, there are so many examples where innocent people were put away because of the color of their skin. I mean, it still happens, and it's correct. It's still happening, and so it, for me, like this whole using the system and blaming the system and. It just makes me really nervous 
to think about justice at all in this way. And this whole episode just really churned that around for me. Yeah, because I think for me, with everything we've talked about, it's, all right, am I still living into my values, even though I might be justified in behaving a certain way? I might be justified in getting angry and yelling at someone because of what they said to me or the way that they treated me or something that they did. I may, like, people might understand. Yeah. And it still might be outside of my values. And is that the way that I need to behave in that moment? Yep. And I, there's not a perfect answer for that in every situation. There's not. Um, I, I have theories, right? Like, I yeah. feel like you should live within your values, but, like, there still might be moments where it is okay to live outside your values. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, again... To, to bring it back to the episode, yeah. for me, in the very beginning, I wonder if these bounty hunters feel just by wrangling up this team or trying to wrangle him up. He's the Avatar. He's the Avatar. Do they feel like it is their? it is a just cause to capture the Avatar? Or is it, I'm trying to earn a quick dime? And does that make it just in their mind? I, I don't... So, this is a perfect thing where we could sit there and say, like, morally... Doing it for money, not just, right? Sure. But if you are picturing it, if you've been pitched and learned your entire life, the, the, the avatar is going to bring the destruction of my family and my nation. Exactly. And that's what you've been taught growing up. Can you, is it just for someone to say, I need you to go capture the avatar? And you go, yes, I'm well, going to do that because it's going to save my family. And that brings me to the a common theme for us is what's the most generous assumption? The generous assumption in this case is to assume that they feel this is a just cause, right? They feel that it is just and right morally to capture the avatar. They're just benefiting from the profits, right? But they are capturing the avatar because they believe it's the right thing. And I don't think we ever find out if they're doing it for money. I say they maybe they are. I say they are like bounty hunters. Yeah, that's what I envision them to be. They I wrote look, bounty they hunters too. They don't look like they're military. Yeah. Um. But later on, they invade Jin, the town of Jin, and they say, this is a military invasion. We're taking this over for the Fire Nation. Um, You're right. Maybe they so, are bounty hunters. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know, know why I wrote, yeah. that. I wrote that down, too. I though. felt like they were. They weren't in military garb. They were all dressed in their own kind of like uh, warrior getup. And so I put bounty hunter because also I just watched Mandalorian and bounty hunters on the brain, you know? Sure, 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 sure. So Sokka had to leave his boomerang behind. Yeah, while Aang and Katara both went back for their prized possessions. Yeah. Well, and so here's where, like, Sokka forgot faster, like, didn't remember as quickly. If he would have remembered at the same speed that they did, maybe he would have been able to go get it. But at the point he remembers, it's like, they're up in the air, they're already gone. Yeah, but we have time to go back for Aang's this and Katara's that. To be fair, at that moment, I don't think they did. I think that they had time when Aang was like, I need to go get my staff. And Katara yep. goes, I need to go get my scroll. They were on the ground. They haven't yet taken off. Sokka just remembers 30 seconds too late after they're already getting fired at in the air. Well, it's interesting then because Sokka is probably in the mindset of, oh, you guys got to do this, but I didn't. And it's not even probably. Like, that is his mindset right now. Right, absolutely. Right. And so because of that and the story he's telling himself, I wonder if that affects his what is, oh, y'all had time to do this, but I didn't. Well, and I felt like once they once Katara gave the very matter-of-fact answer of, yeah, then he, he, I feel like he takes it pretty well. Like I feel, he like, I feel like he's like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like that's what it felt like to me. Um, 
I, I, I didn't feel resentment between him and Katara or him and Aang because of it. Um, so, maybe. I thought it was interesting. So, let's talk. Uh, we get to this place. They realize it's Avatar Day. They're excited. Um, and then they realize that this town is burning these effigies of past avatars and current avatars. Yeah, it's Avatar Day. And um, Katara feels just in putting out the fires of the effigies and kind of announcing their arrival as to who they are. Sure. I don't know if I would have done that. Like, I think, like, I now that if I was in their place, right, easy to say from the outskirts and not actually in their position... They've gone through town after town, and sometimes it's gone good, but most of the time it hasn't. Like, I don't think I'd be announcing my arrival, and I don't think I would have, like, if I would have seen them, especially if I saw them burning an effigy of me, I would have been like, nah, nah, I'm going to stay pretty, I'm going to, I'm going to stay low-key right now. So I think there's a difference between what is right and what is intelligent. Right. Right? Maybe. And well, well, like, why is it right? Like, why does it matter that they're burning effigies of you? And like, does that matter? I think that there's a lot of people when it comes to burning American flags, that would argue a similar deal. Like, why does it matter? But then there's a lot of people who would argue it matters a great deal. Oh, sure. Symbols and like, matter. And I would, yes, symbols do matter. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I think in that moment, maybe if I wasn't the avatar, I would feel, hey, we shouldn't be doing this. Maybe. Maybe not if I was from that town. Sure. But if I was the Avatar, I think that would be a moment where I'd be like, this is an angry mob, and I don't really want to deal with them right now. Or or other people might simply feel unsafe and then run. But Aang, again, we talked about this in in season one, but Aang has the privilege of being powerful. Feeling like he can handle it. He can handle it. But Katara makes the initial move, right? So she's the one that puts out the effigy. But Katara is a Pretty powerful waterbender at this That's point. That's true. Yeah. Master. Right? And right now, we don't get the... We don't know that any of these people are benders or not in this town. It doesn't seem to doesn't be. seem like it. Right? And so I wonder if that privilege comes into play. Right? Probably a little bit. But So why does she feel just into putting that... Like, is that... That's just a moral, like, we shouldn't be burning this. I'm going to stand up for my friend. I feel justified in making this action. And putting out the effigies. Well, I wonder if... It's, I think it's interesting because, as we know, Katara gives us the intro every episode. And she is talking about how much she believes in Aang. And we hear it every episode, how much she believes in Aang. I believe he has the power to save the world. And what they see and what she sees by them burning this down is a complete just frankly bastardization of the entire avatar concept and her belief system and her belief system so it might be less of defending ang himself maybe it's more about her beliefs and defending her beliefs maybe interesting i don't know not in her head yeah that's true but that's an interesting reading to think about right maybe she's doing it not to protect ang but to defend her own beliefs and her own yeah and what's important to her and maybe it's both you know it doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be both. It can be both. Um, let's go. So Aang gives himself up. He's going on trial. He finds out after they've collected evidence and they find out that uh, Kiyoshi couldn't have made that footprint and that the temple wasn't made until after she was there. And they found out all this evidence. And he gets told straight up, evidence doesn't matter. 
it's your side of the story and it's my side of the story. That's right. And that's why they call it justice, because it's just us. <laughs> I think the quote is, evidence? Hmm, that's not how our system works. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> how terrible is that? <laughs> it's so, it's terrifying because, again, it points to if the system is corrupt, is corrupt then justice doesn't seem even possible right for the individual well, and we see moments of what i would consider a corrupt system that maybe is a necessary evil but i don't know i'm not in the the position of making the system but you see ang barter for lesser time so or a lesser sentence so that he can then be a benefit to the town yeah and so it's it's an interesting like it made me think of like people cutting deals and getting less prison sentencing by ratting on somebody else or by yep and then if versus like no you did this crime i don't care what else you do like this is the sentence for that crime and but you see him start to barter and say like hey i don't want to help out unless maybe you not burn me in oil yep and so again is the system corrupt is that a just system and if it is then yeah you start to lose hope in that yeah and we even get a moment of that with with iroh and zuko in the cave before zuko leaves where iroh essentially says you can't lose hope like you have to have hope that's right um that's a damn yankees quote the musical yeah you have to have hope mustn't sit around and mope interesting i haven't seen that musical in a long time good pool it's a good point, too, I think. Nice. Don't nice. sit around and mope. You yeah. gotta have hope. You gotta have hope. I don't know. Feel your feelings, man. That's kind of where I sit. I think you can feel your feelings and still have hope. Yeah. Um. But So you get this moment with Zuko where he gets told... Uh, this is the line where you gotta find the hope inside of you. Um. And Zuko s- decides to up and leave. After stealing all of these things from people, and and what my guess is he feels is a real Robin Hood style moment, like it's a real like. We've heard him talk about like I'm a prince, I deserve more than the way that I'm being treated, and so is he stealing out of feeling like he's justified and he is owed this? That's that's something that I wrote too. Like as as the Blue Spirit, he's recovering food by stealing, right? He's taking food. Does he know this is not okay? And, or is he totally like, this is, I need to do this. Well, he steals food. It's my right. Right? So you get your Aladdin moment, right? Like, I'm taking bread because I need bread. Yep. And I'm not, I'm, I, it's either that or die, and so I'm going to choose that. But and it then, also seems then like, you he's see, taking... like he steals coins from the guy and then buys this really immaculate teapot for his uncle. Yep. And I love Uncle Iroh just being like, no, nah, I really just love a, you know, 10 cup and... A ceramic mug or a ceramic teapot. I think that makes the best tea. And Zuko kind of gets deflated a little bit because he's expecting his uncle to be more. Tea tastes excited. good out of whatever you're drinking yeah. from. So, yeah. So I, I, it's tough because I think you at a certain point you have the most generous assumption I can make is not that he thinks like this is what he needs um, because he starts stealing more than what I would consider necessities. Yeah. Um, now, granted, there might be other people that say, no, that's that's a necessity. Like, you have to have those things. But I don't know if... 
I don't know if I feel that way about a, a you know, really fancy teapot and uh, a bunch of coins and things that might not, might, yeah, might not have been needed. Yeah. So. I just think it's interesting because Zuko just steals so much over the course of this episode, and it ends with him leaving. And so part of me wonders... On a stolen animal. Uh, yeah, correct. That he, that he already stole from someone else. And so I think that I wonder if all of that stealing is building up in him, and he's realizing that he is not in a good place, and so he's choosing to do something about it and leave. You know, I wonder if he feels like there's pressure traveling with Uncle Iroh of feeling like he needs to impress him. And so he feels like... Feels like he's failing him. Feels he's like he's failing, failing his, his uncle. uncle and needs to leave and do things on his own so as not to feel that pressure. And Iroh lets him go. Like, yeah. with not any real combativeness, with more of a, like, it seems like this is something you need to do, so I'm going to allow you to do it. Yeah. And gives him the stolen chocobo. Yep. It's interesting. I think there are other points... That I want to skip to, if that's okay. I would love for us to do that. Can we talk about how this town has immortalized a past hero at, through a statue? And I should say perceived hero. Right? Yes. And how because of their lack of the complete story, they have attributed so much to this guy who ended up kind of being not great. And I'm just I'm just curious what our thoughts are on that and how that plays into our world today. So I think it, there's a lot of context that you have to think about, especially when was the statue put up? Why was the statue put up? Yep. Did it happen the day of his funeral as a way to celebrate him? Was it put up a hundred years later to justify their Avatar Day of burning effigies and... Um, or was it because, you know, someone wanted to pick a fight, wasn't stoked with what Kiyoshi did, and so put the statue up as the purpose of, I'm going to start creating a, a narrative around yeah. this. Um, I think we see it a lot today, um, specifically in the South, but throughout the United States at least. Statues that were put up 50 years after the Civil War, but with um, intent to the to, to celebrate the confederate soldiers that that fought for the south so you see that all across um the south and i think yeah you get a lot of people who are excited about those things who feel like it's part of heritage and a part of history and you feel like people who say those were put up not to celebrate heritage and history but to put up because they were made to celebrate what they were fighting for celebrate is... what they were fighting for and to scare as a scare tactic there's a lot yeah. of data that would point that those statues were put up during the jim crow era as a tactic to scare people, yeah, uh, people of color. So, um, so I think that you do have. To, it goes back to symbols, right, and how important symbols can be. Similar with language, how important language can be. That's right. Um, and so, are you just in fighting for this statue for this idea? If if you don't know the context around it, or don't truly know the story around it, just the story you've been told. And how do you know you don't know? How do you know you don't know is the million-dollar question for majority of the issues that we talk about. Yep. Um, and I think that that's just by consistently asking people to tell you more, to, to yep. continue to learn, to continue yep. to seek to learn, to continue to challenge yourself. 
but I would say that's how you do it. One of the things I want to learn more about from this episode is the prisoners that Aang ends up being with oh, and spending time with. Some of my favorite characters they in this seem episode. They super cool. Aang, of course she'll fall for you. You're wonderful. Yeah, like, well, it's interesting. And you're the Avatar. Well, I think it's interesting because he goes into it, and the first thing we see is like, oh, no, this guy's super intimidating. You're bald and you've got tattoos. You're going to fit right in. And the way he talks to Aang is intimidating. The tone of voice and things like that. And all of a sudden we're like, oh no. And then we come back and they're sharing their life story. You also do that after you've realized that the trial that Aang is about to have is one that most of the viewers would not consider to be just. Yep. So it then begs the question... How many, Were these are, prisoners how many people are in prison? Unjustly incarcerated. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's it would seem that the answer is probably yes. It's likely. Especially that, after yeah. you go through the trial, you can still assume like maybe a majority of these people were not here for something that's deservingly and should so, put them there. So I wonder if part of Aang's, you know, role in this world, which is to achieve balance right that's like his main goal between the spirit world and the physical world but also balance between the four nations it's just balance in general Mm -hmm. i wonder if he's or maybe this happened and we just didn't get to see it in the episode maybe this will be my head canon that all of these prisoners that were unjustly incarcerated are also given a chance to redeem themselves right and if not should that have been part of ang's responsibility to address I wonder. To stick around and to help show that these people should not be here. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, potentially. And then it goes, is there someone else better to to do that job? You know, is there, you know, you can't do everything, so should you focus on one thing? Yeah. Um, Which brings up a really interesting point. I I was watching the Patriot Act uh, on Netflix, and one of the things at the end of the year that he kind of said at the end of his show, and he always talks about a different issue every single week, similar to a John Oliver or anything else like that. Hassan Minaj. Yes. Thank you, Max. And he specifically spoke about this emotional overload that people feel when there's just so many issues. And his kind of challenge to his viewership was pick one thing to really go after in 2020. Um, And so I wonder if that's kind of where Aang is at, where he's got to go after his one thing that he's got to focus on and start allowing other people to be inspired to do some of the other work that's out there. Um, which is an interesting thought if, he, if that's why he couldn't stick around and help release those prisoners is that he has to focus so heavily on his thing. Well, and we found out that presenting facts is not his strong point. Like, he had all the facts on his side when he was presenting. Not a great town. lawyer. Wouldn't make a good lawyer. Well, it tell, that tells me right there why people have the right to a lawyer. Right. Why that is a right. Why that is something that you are given. Right? Um, and I think... That tells us why. It's because some people cannot even with themselves. all the facts presented in front of them. Even have... with a perfect lineup of facts that clearly makes it so that he's not guilty. Guilty. I just think that's fascinating. Like, and so, like, it tells me that the Avatar can't solve every problem. Correct. Right. And so, he is, as you said, he has a pretty dark moment at the end where yeah, where he let. There's that moment where. Um... The judge, I can't remember his name. Mayor uh, Tong. Mayor? Mayor Tong. Mayor Tong says, Avatar, help us, save us. And he goes, I don't know. That I was, was supposed to be good, boiled. That was a pretty good, close to his voice. I could do voice acting, maybe. Maybe I'll try it out. Funnily enough, that's the same uh, actor as uh, 
what's his name, Chifu and Mulan and a bunch of other things. Just oh, that makes that feels right. Yeah, well, you get a lot of fun little cameos in the show. Yeah, George Takei has been on it before. Yep, um, he was the warden. Mm-hmm. So you get this moment, save us, help us, and Aang goes, "Oh, I'm supposed to be boiled," and like just kind of stares him down as like the military is coming in, like they are destroying stuff. They are destroying stuff. They are potentially hurting people, and Aang is still taking the time to sit there and be like, no, I, I can't do anything. I'm going to be... And so finally he moves it to community service and then goes, serve our community. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting because when we're in despair, we give into our darkest urges, right? When we are in shame, we are more likely to act in a way that Outside prolongs of our, values. our shame. Yeah. It makes us even more ashamed and it's this downward spiral. And we see this spiral right now. We see that when Aang is put into a place where he is put down and when he is cast aside and not cared for, that he starts to act outside of his values. And I think that's really telling for us. So, like, I wonder then, does despair allow us to bypass justice and call it justice justice still, right? So when we are... What is the story we're telling ourselves when we get down into the despair? And I wonder if that's where Zuko was as well. I see this parallel between Zuko and Aang in this moment, right? Where they were both down. They realized that they are doing things that are not not okay. And then they act that way. And then one, Aang, moves forward and helps community service. Aang, or Zuko, ends up leaving. I just think that there's a there's an interesting parallel there. Yeah, and how we handle our shame and how we handle the feelings that we have about ourselves. Yep. And the paths that that takes us down. Final question. Did Kiyoshi kill Jin? Was it murder? I vote no. I would vote no as well. Self-defense. And he fell after she separated the island. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Now, yeah. she caused it, but he got angry and like jumped up and down and the rocks fell. Yeah, I... Maybe I should do a little bit better about having some empathy and sympathy in that moment, but I am not mad about it. He was a conqueror. Did he deserve to die? That's a whole different episode that we don't have time to dive into. Yep. Um, But yeah, we uh, are going to take a quick break. Then we're going to come back with a fun little voicemail, and then we'll go into our devotion for the uh the episode how's that sound to you sounds great max you got anything you want to add before we do that nope that works for me all right we will be back in just a moment you have reached the voicemail box of bending not breaking please leave a message after the tone hey guys um loving the show and uh, enjoying you guys's commentary especially your um specific look at certain things for each episode like uh, your avatar stage one for self-care that was a really great episode and a really important message as well that you guys talked about um so my name's fran i should probably have started with that um and i am an avatar the last airbender youtuber at a healthy dose of fran and the podcast for avatar absolutely fantastic and I'm glad that I finally found you guys, and I feel so bad that it took me forever to find you guys' podcast. Um, but you guys have really great insights as a whole to Avatar The Last Airbender. And I hope when you guys eventually go on to do Legend of Korra, if you do Legend of Korra, um, that um, I'll be able to hear your great insights for that show as well. Um, 
hopefully you'll be able to get this one in time for the episode Avatar Day. Um, but the thing that I find most interesting about Avatar Day in terms of like a phrase that would work for the show is this idea and sense of justice. And that particularly fits with Kiyoshi, uh, Avatar Kiyoshi as a character. Everything about her, and this also ties in with the book Rise of Kiyoshi. And if you guys haven't read that, I definitely recommend you checking that out. Um, her character and her way of acting and thinking is all about this sense of justice. Not in terms of like an, an entitlement to justice or seeking justice and retribution, but a different side to it. And I think it's just a really interesting part of her character and how that episode as a whole views this idea of a sense of justice. So Aang, it is this sense of justice to prove that he is not a killer. Which obviously, of course, Avatar Kiyoshi very clearly stomps that out. Yes, no, she did kill a man. Um, but it's also the, the other characters' ideas and their own interpretations of what justice is. For the town, it's getting their own retribution for losing their leader. For Aang, it's proving that they're wrong. For Sokka, it's to have a great hat, but also to prove that he is intelligent and he understands the correct way in which justice should be sought. And he does go about it the right way. Both he and Katara prove that seeking the correct answers to find true justice is important. And that's kind of just the insight I have as a whole about the Avatar Day episode and its ideas on justice. I don't know if that's what you guys will have chosen in the end for that episode, but um, that's my two cents. Um, <laughs> uh, love the guy, love love the guys, love the show. Can't wait for more, and um, have a great day, guys. Brand, thank you so much for sending that in. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Ben and I always say it, it, it truly does mean the world to us that we have people that are willing to send those things in and be a part of this with us. Um, we don't know everything. We are not experts, and so it is wonderful to have y'all's input. And, and Fran, um, is it kismet? Is kismet the word I'm looking for when picking the same? Like, we pick the same lens by happenstance, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, one of the moments for me and everything that you said that I just didn't even think about was... Sokka and Katara search for justice the entire episode, um, which is so clearly happening, but it's just it didn't even dawn on me that that's what was going on. They are searching for justice the entire show, and then how they handle the fact that everything that they are searching for was rendered useless um, by someone in power. And I thought, I think they did a better job, and Ben, you might agree, I think they did a better job of handling it than I would have. I would have been hopeless i think in that moment and it seems like they're still pretty like no we've got a shot it might not be a good shot but like we can do this ang has got this and i think for me i would have been more devastated had i gone through an entire all this work to find clear evidence that defends my friend and then to be told like no you can't use that that's not gonna that's not gonna save that's not gonna help him um and so that was just something i didn't even think about was their search for justice along the entire entirety of the episode um, so thank you so much for bringing that to light and for, for your input on that. I think you were spot on, at least in my opinion, not that that matters, but I think you hit the nail on the head on everything else. And I wholeheartedly agree. Ben, any thoughts? 
I'm grateful for the voicemail, and you said it very nicely. Oh, well, let's talk a little bit about. So, well, thank you again, Fran. If you want to join and send a voicemail in the archive at gmail.com, just do a voice memo um, and email that to us, and we would love to have you be a part of the show. I uh, we need to go into our devotion. It's time for the devotion, and we are talking about justice through a lens lens of. of earth earth the element of earth we're back to earth already can you believe it yeah and so ben what are you gonna do so earth for me again reminds me of stability and i think of the types of earths that aren't stable so sand um the sides of a mountain where there's been erosion and there's mudslides and things like that. And that's kind of what comes to mind when I think of justice, unfortunately. I think of uh, it's loose and it's treacherous if you're trying to make stable foundation on it. Um, and so I think for me, it's how do we get to a point where we are moving towards stability and foundation? So how do I find stable ground so that I can feel safer knowing that justice is happening in a system that i can buy into rather than justice happening on sand where it falls away that's kind of what's going through my head right now yeah um i think for me with the earth in mind i have friends that keep me grounded i have um my square inch of paper that i could write their names on and people that i uh trust and i don't know if you heard of Brene brown but she uh, came up with a very similar thing. Oh, Bernie Brown. Interesting. Yeah. What is it? Bernie? Bernie Brown. Brene? That's what all the stickers mean. Brene. Oh, Brene. Um, so for me, I've got friends that I think keep me grounded and keep me humble. And I want to make sure that when I'm acting and feeling justified um, in my actions, I want their opinion on whether or not that's outside of my values or when they act outside of my values and so i think this week i'm going to ask three or four of my close friends and say are there moments that you see me outside of my value system um and, and behavior that i tend to think is justified but have you ever seen me outside of my value system and and then listen um and see what they have to say about that with the exception of when i'm playing video games i know very well i'm outside of my value system when screaming at the television yeah psa never play mario kart with sunshine i become very rude unfortunately i'm working on it so um so yeah i think that's what i'm going to do is, is just talk to the the people that keep me grounded and, and ask them when am i living outside of my value system even in moments that i feel justified in well thank you so much for a wonderful episode thank you this has been lovely Max, and as always, thank you. Yeah. And listeners, thank you. Thank you. For um, real, though. This has been fun. We are wrapping up this episode. Remember to follow us at bnb underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. Send us any emails or feedback to thearchivy at gmail.com. And we will be back next time. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank oh. you for listening. Bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye.